0: Ideal setting, Deontay Johnson emerges somehow at some stage as a legitimate number one wide receiver in the National Football League. In this circumstance, it kind of feels like he's getting in the way a little, doesn't it? Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dayon Kovačević of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into. Hockey and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates, where you found this. I'm not here to pile on. Deontay's had a, well, I could say he's had a rough week, a rough couple of weeks, but for the most part, even if you set aside the contract, and I know that's hard to set aside, this has been a bad year. He's got 61 catches. On 105 targets, that catch total ranks 43rd in the NFL. He's got an average catch of 9.3 yards. He's got a long, his longest play of the season is 36 yards. Then you get into some of the stuff that nobody talks about. These numbers you've heard before. He's got eight third down conversions. This season. I want you to think about that for a second. This is a team that's played a dozen games. He's got eight third down conversions. That's almost unimaginable, considering that his profile, when he's at his peak, is that of a possession receiver, the elite route runner, as Ben Roethlisberger called him last year. Eight third down conversions. 29 first downs overall, eight third down conversions. Have you heard that stat enough? Oh, did I mention zero touchdowns? Zero touchdowns is the one that everybody talks about. But the eight third down conversions jumps at me that much more. Because what you have is a situation where he's not getting you the long play, he's not getting you the touchdown. He's not even moving the sticks when you need it the most. Look, I understand that there have been other issues with this offense, which is why I'm going to repeat that I'm not here to pile on to Deontay. But I also understand that it sure would be a wonderful thing for a rookie quarterback to have a reliable safety valve when it came to third down. Could they do more to get more yardage in the first couple of plays? Sure. Does Matt Canada constantly need to be running on second and long? No. But you still need to have a receiver who can get you a third down conversion, particularly one who not only has the route running skills that Deontay does, but also has shown in the past the ability to get some extra yards. Fact, he used to be pretty good at it. Kind of still is, only they're in the wrong direction. And that hurts. That hurts this offense in so many different ways. Now, I've said everything that I've said so far in this segment without being snarly or snotty or uh, getting into any ad hominem or whatever else. This is the season, factually speaking, that Deontay has had. And I'd now like to take. This conversation to the next calm, rational, logical level. And that is this Why is he still being treated as the number one receiver? What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? Respect, rigor, relevance. That's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. I don't care if he's treated as the number one receiver by uh, people like me or fans or anybody else. That doesn't matter. The contract, for all intents and purposes, also doesn't matter. It's a two-year deal, remember? It was a bridge deal. It was going to be the the prove-it term for Deontay to go and earn his full, real, deserved payday. And the Steelers smartly didn't cave to that and instead just said, let's work something out here. Well, they worked out 36 bleeping million over two years. Now, is there a part of... Any human, when they invest that much into something to say, God, let's just let's just keep trying it, let's just keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd be on board with that if only for that very reason, except for one thing. And you know what I'm going to say here. There is no, no, no justification. For Deontay getting 11 targets ahead of George Pickens in a game, any game. I don't care about the matchup. I don't care about the positioning. I don't care at all about the behavior coming off the field, being upset about it, because that's something that everybody, Deontay and certainly no exception, does. That's just the wide receiver position in 2022, whether any of us likes it or not. But the part that's not okay is having a potentially elite player, which I think we all can agree that Pickens is, without overstating it, because I'm not saying he's elite now. I'm saying he's potentially elite. We have seen extraordinary skill to go with his size, to go with his athleticism, to go with his fire, to go with everything else. We have seen that the Steelers in all likelihood – have landed themselves a player through last year's draft who would not have been available to them had he not had the knee injury in college. Well, the knee certainly checks out. Therefore, they got themselves a first-round wide receiver. Maybe, maybe, maybe the best in his class. And what they're doing now with this First round wide receiver who's showing potentially elite talent is not utilizing him, at least in part, because they can't let go of a mistake that they've made. I'm not suggesting, you know, rocketing Deontay to the moon. I'm definitely not suggesting that he wouldn't have some use to an NFL offense. I do believe that he's underperformed this season, meaning he's capable of better. But I also believe that it requires a special new tier of insanity when you have a five and seven football team that's got a bunch of younger guys on offense and you're trying to get everybody acclimated to each other. In large part, this is kind of the postscript, the part that Mike Tomlin and nobody else wants to talk about, to prepare them as much as possible for 2023. And you're just having him watch. You're having him run routes for nothing while you're wasting passes to a mistake. To a mistake that makes no sense. None at all. When we come back, J1Q. Mike's can't be topped, not for beer, not for the awesome kitchen and menu that's available, not for all the special events that are going on there. Check them out online at mikesbeerbar.com. Mike's Beer Bar, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Today's J1Q comes from David. It's not a question, but it's a criticism. David wrote on our YouTube channel under yesterday's episode, uh, in which I basically took George Pickens' side on everything. David writes, I'm old enough to remember when DK blasted AB for similar outbursts with the ball and Juju, but DK knows people have short memories. Taking that last concept first, in case anybody does have short memories and I'm attempting to take advantage of it, Well, first of all, I chose David's entry, so I'm clearly not avoiding the subject. And secondly, I'll remind anybody or inform anybody who's new to my stuff that in the time that I covered Antonio Brown, I felt like I gave him the fairest shake imaginable before and after he'd completely lost his mind. And I don't even use this phrase when it comes to him in any joking way. He's lost his mind altogether. But I gave A.B. the benefit of the doubt, got to know him. Uh, We actually, for a period of about a year or two, I would say had a pretty solid professional relationship. And then I just stopped recognizing him. And I don't like to speak for others in the profession, but I can tell you that in conversations with them, we all stopped recognizing him. In every any capacity other than the brilliance on the football field. Juju's a bit of a different case. Actually Juju's a very different case and I felt that he was unfairly lumped in with AB. Why? Because he tweeted a lot. Oh my. <laughs> you know, like this instantly made him a diva of some sort, which was preposterous. I took Juju's side on almost everything. To the end, right through the trade, the only issues that I ended up having with Juju, and by that I mean issues as it relates to offering up analysis on an NFL team, is that his performance slipped. AB's didn't. Juju's did. I had information that a big part of the reason his performance slipped was that he was having his knee drained every Friday before every game. I reported that, I reported it exclusively, it was never denied by anybody, but because it wasn't reported by anybody else, it was like, well, only one guy reported it, so it must not be true. Actually, it was completely true. It was 1,000% true. If it wasn't true, Juju and his agents and everybody else would have come at me all guns loaded because it was going to cost his client money. But here again, like A.B., I felt I gave almost all of the benefit of the doubt to the two individuals until, for very different reasons, for these two very different individuals, things really went south. Juju was not a number one wide receiver, not even a number two, really, at the time the Steelers didn't bring him back he's doing just fine in Kansas City. He's not a number one guy. He's not going to be expected to be a number one guy. And great, awesome, wonderful. Here's hoping Juju gets a ring. It'd be a tremendous story. I'm sure he'd bring it back to Pittsburgh and show it to everybody and thank everyone who helped him along the path. One point in general that I can't make often enough, whether it's in doing this show or writing columns about the Steelers or in any media form, I'm not really the agenda guy, okay? I, I know you'll hear me go on and on about a Matt Canada or something like that. but I don't do personal agendas with with people that I'm covering. I have personal agendas in life that are really, really important to me. Absolutely none of them have anything to do with football. I do have things that I get really upset about and really vindictive about and whatever else. None of them have anything to do with football or for that matter, sports. Sorry to disappoint anybody to the contrary, but reporters aren't fans. Okay. And conversely, fans aren't reporters. Doesn't make one better than the other or anything like that. It's a different thing. We are paid to be professionals. When I develop a relationship with a player, it is so I can understand that player for the purposes of news and commentary and everything else. It's not to be their buddy. And if they are ever nasty with me or whatever, there's a guy from the Pirates, I love to tell this story, who on a personal level, a few years ago, he was just a really, really lousy human being. And I couldn't stand even the sight of him. And about a month after we had ourselves a pretty good incident one day at PNC Park, I wrote the most glowing piece about how he was with his teammates. Know why? Because it was true. And because his teammates loved him and because he was legitimately good with his teammates. The fact that he hated me and vice versa <laughs> sure doesn't factor into a story like that. No one cares how anybody is with me because I don't matter. So David, I hate to burst your problem, but I don't have these things that you think that I have. If you ever want to have a real conversation with me about which players are this or that, or good or bad, or nice or not nice? Whether it's with me or anybody else here, I'm happy to have those, but don't just go blindly and lazily accusing me of favoritism or whatever that even was. I, I, I was going to say I appreciate the question. Like I actually don't appreciate that question. I appreciate everyone who listens to Daily Shot of Steelers, including you, Dave. I might add. Let's do another one of these tomorrow.